Yeah, great. Good morning. Great to be with you. Um, great to um, be meeting together virtually. And as the YCC Kids team so brilliantly um, told us before, we're looking at the story of the loaves and the fishes. Now, this is a story that is in all four Gospels. Um, this morning, we're looking at um, the, um, the Mark version of this story, but all four versions um, are are similarly good, uh, but we, we're using Mark this morning. And um, we'll start by reading it. It's chapter 6 of Mark, and it, we start in verse 30, and it says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So what's been going on here is that Jesus has sent off his disciples to go out and to, um, and to bring about the kingdom wherever they go, and to go into villages and to go into towns and to pray and to bring healing and to minister to people and to spread the word of that, that Jesus is here and this, and this kingdom is happening. And they've all, been, they've all gone off and done this and then they've gathered back together. And so they gather around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him, said, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. So then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Quite a story. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being in the crowd? You imagine being those people who are so excited about this Messiah that has come, this man who is going through the villages, performing miracles and healing people and casting out demons and, and speaking just profound words of truth. And then they, and they're all trying to get close to him and they're all trying to gather around him and there's all these people coming and going and, and then they see him heading off and they kind of go, we think we know where he's going. We think he's going to that side of the lake. So then they rush around and everyone's rushing there. So they're even there before Jesus and his disciples get there. Can you imagine the excitement that it is for them? Because the hope that is stirring in them, the, the excitement that's stirring in them. And can you imagine being the disciples? They've just been out ministering, performing some of these miracles and speaking some of these words and 
going out around the villages and doing this stuff, and then they get back and they're excited because it's been happening, right? They've, they've seen these miracles happen. They've understood that they're part of this and they can join in and they can, they can heal people too and they can cast out demons too and they have this authority and they, they have the kingdom in their hands and they're, and they're administering this, and, but they're tired, right? And they get back and they're excited and they're telling Jesus, but everyone keeps interrupting and they're kind of, you know, probably, they're probably polite the first few times as an interruption, but then gradually like their face gets all those tells on it, like going, yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah, see you, see you, see you. Anyway, right, yeah, back to the back to what we were talking about. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, good to see you. Yeah, great, yeah, great, yeah. All right, no, no, you, you, yeah, go ahead, ask Jesus whatever you want. And then, then, they, and then they move on and, like, like, you can sense this frustration rising up in the disciples because they've got all this great stuff to tell Jesus. And Jesus gets, keep, keeps getting hassled by all these other people. So then Jesus goes, look, you've not even had a chance to eat. Let's, let's go away. Let's get somewhere solitary and let's, we can chat about this properly. We can have something to eat. And they're going, yeah, like one-on-one time with Jesus just us. We can have some food together. We can relax. And when they get there, there's a crowd. And can you imagine the disciples going, oh, for goodness sake. I'm tired. I've had enough. So they dress it up as compassion, right? They're going, oh, these poor people. I mean, they've been here all day and they've not had anywhere to eat. Like, we should, oh, we should. I mean, we need to think about their welfare, Jesus. We, you should send them away so they get something to eat. And really, they're kind of going, can you just get rid of them so we can sit down and have something with you and eat with you and have some time with you? And, and Jesus, But Jesus has compassion on these people. And he's like, no, why don't you get something to eat? Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. See, the disciples have identified a problem and they're going, look, Jesus, you sort this out, will you? Like, just send him away, tell him what to do. And Jesus turns to them and goes, no, no, you, you do this. Like, haven't you just been out around the villages and the towns performing miracles? Haven't you just been out there doing this stuff? Like, you know how to do this stuff now. The kingdom's in your hands. You give them something to eat. And disciples get really practical at this point. Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you do the math, Jesus, this would take us about half a year's salary. If you you add all this up, just bread, just for one meal for all these people, that's a lot of people. And we've only counted the guys for some reason. We don't counted the women and the children. That's a whole different social thing that we go to there. But just even if we're just feeding the men, it doesn't make any sense. But so we've just been around and counted all the guys. There's thousands of them. This has cost us half a year's wages just to go and get them some bread not to mention where would we even get the bread from and they come back at Jesus with all these practical reasons and Jesus says you give them something to eat you be the miracle you see so often our faith extends enough our faith is big enough that we can ask God to do the miracle yeah, yeah, no, I've got a direct line. I'm in, I'm in the inside crew with Jesus. I, if I pray to Jesus, and you know, there's a fair to middling chance that you might answer and the miracle might happen. I'm on, I'm on the inside team, so if you need a miracle happening, yeah, I'm happy to ask him to do the miracle for you. And that's sometimes how we pray in our prayers, isn't it? We kind of, we want God to show up and do the miracle. And our 
you know, well, I'm one of your children, God. I'm, you know, I'm on the inside crew here. I'm part of the church. I'm part of the body. So would you, you know, we've got the direct line to Jesus. So we ask Jesus to perform the miracle. But Jesus says, no, no, you've been a miracle. Why don't you give them something to eat? I think there's a challenge there for us. You know, sometimes we just want to pass off the miracles to God. We want to be the middleman in all of this. And God says, no, no, no. Why don't you be the miracle where I've put you, in the context where you are, in the place where you are? And the disciples instantly have all this, oh, no, but I mean, you've really got to understand. We've counted all these people, and there's thousands of people, and... We haven't got enough bread, and just to get just to get enough bread is going to cost us a lot of money, and we don't have that money on us. And it's always oh, just, I mean, logistically, Jesus, this is a nightmare. I don't think you fully understand the problems. They've gone straight to the logistics of the situation. They've actually gone straight to the question: What don't we have? What are the reasons we can't do this? Where do we come up short here? And it's very obvious they come up short in that they haven't got enough bread for 5,000 people. But we do the same thing, right? We do the same thing. Sometimes when we feel like God's calling us to do something or we feel like God's calling us to be something or we're feeling like God's calling us to intervene in a situation or step into a situation or or lead in a certain circumstance you know God's calling us oh, I want you to take on this role of leadership when uh, in the whatever at work or in a small group or in a in the church or whatever it might be and we kind of go oh well, I'm, I mean I'm not a leader like I'm not a, and I don't really have the time and um, I mean that's quite a big commitment you're asking me to make there and I just don't know if I can fit that in with all the other commitments that I have and well, I, I just don't really know if I'm the right person for it. I don't really know if I'm skilled enough for this. And, you know, I think probably, God, you might have made a mistake. Um, and I know you're infallible, but on this one, I mean, maybe you've just lost your infallible status because asking me is a disaster. You know, I am the last person that you should be asking to do this. I mean, I'm not really that sort of person. And we just go on this long list of all the things that we don't have. All the things, all the reasons why we shouldn't or we can't, or it's not us, or we're not the right person. All the things we don't have. And Jesus says, so what do you have? See, Jesus doesn't really pay any attention to the question of what don't you have? What don't we have in our hands? Jesus just says, so what do you have? This is very similar. There's a story in the Old Testament. Moses is asked by, asked by God the whole burning bush thing, and Moses comes up, and God says, right, now what I want you to do, Moses, is I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go because I've had enough of this now. I've heard them crying. I've heard them moaning. I've heard their suffering. I've seen how, they're, how hard they are done by, and I want you to be the person to go and tell Pharaoh it's time to let him go. And, Pharaoh, and Moses comes straight back with, uh, I mean, no, I mean, I don't... I don't really think I'm the right guy for that. I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've got a bit of a, I mean, as you can tell, I've got a bit of a speech impediment and I can't really, um, I'm just not very confident. I don't, I mean, there's history between me and Pharaoh. That's not a good, it's not a good thing. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not really, 
I'm not really the guy. Like, I don't, I wouldn't, wouldn't really know what to say. I don't really rate my chances of surviving that little encounter. I think, God, you've got that all wrong. Moses goes straight to all the reasons why he can't or it's a bad idea. All the things that he doesn't have in his hand. And God says to him, what do you have in your hand? He goes, well, I've got this staff. He goes, throw it on the floor. So he throws it on the floor and it turns into a snake. He says, now pick it up. And he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. And God's like, yeah, we can work with that. Now, how is the staff that turns into a snake, that turns back into a staff, going to really change anything? And he goes, okay, well, then put your hand inside your cloak. What do you have in your hands? Well, you have your hands. Even if you've got nothing in your hands, you've still got something. Because he goes, well, put your hand inside your cloak. And he puts his hand inside his cloak, and he takes it out, and then it's all leprous and diseased and whatever. And Moses is like, oh, I mean, that's, as miracles go, it's not my favorite. And he goes, well, put it back inside your cloak then. And he puts it back inside his cloak and takes it out, and it's healed again. He's going, yeah, we can work with that. So now you should go and tell Pharaoh. I'll tell you what to say. I'll do the miracles. I'm just asking you to use what you've got in your hands. And here we are in the same situation, and the disciples are coming to Jesus going, oh, I mean, Jesus, logistically, this isn't like that. I don't know why. I mean, mass catering is not our thing. Like, we have not taken this on. And Jesus is going, what have you got? Don't tell me what you haven't got. Don't tell me all the reasons why. What have you got in your hands? What do you have in your hands? Because the reality is, they had the kingdom of God in their hands. They had the authority that Jesus had given them in their hands to perform miracles, to cast out the demons, to heal, to speak words of truth. They had the kingdom of God in their hands. And God asks us, what do you have in your hands? And maybe God's stirring you to do something right in the middle of your community or in your neighborhood or on your street or in your family or in your workplace. Maybe God's prompting you going, oh, I mean, no. I mean, as, no, it's a bad idea. It's a bad time. I mean, pandemic, God. I mean, this is terrible timing, really. This isn't really the place for me to be doing anything miraculous. Um, I think that there's probably better people. I mean, this isn't really for me. What is it that God's calling you to do? And maybe our instincts, and we know God's calling us to do something, and, and straight away we suspect maybe God's calling us to do something, and straight away we go to all the reasons why not, all the things we don't have. And maybe God this morning is saying to us, let's not talk about what you don't have. What do you have? What do you have in your hands? It's a great challenge for us because as followers of Jesus, as part of the body of Christ, as children of God, we have the kingdom in our hands. We're not just people who have that direct access so we can ask Jesus to do a few favors for us whatever, from time to time. We are people who carry the authority. We are people who have the kingdom of God in us and through us. We are people who can intercede, people who can intervene, people who can love. Because we have said many times the kingdom of God is brought in one act of love at a time. What do you have in your hands? There's another lesson here in this story. 
And we've talked before about the boy. Um, actually, when we've been talking about giving, we use this story because just to demonstrate, you know, here's a boy who has five loaves and two fish. And what he doesn't do is go, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not that hungry and I don't need all five loaves and two fish, or like all five little bits of bread and two fish. I don't, I don't need it all. I mean, I can probably survive on three loaves and one fish. So, I, I mean, Jesus, I can give you two loaves and one fish. Now, could Jesus have done the miracle with two loaves and one fish? I no doubt. But actually, what's so powerful about this is the boy gives it all. He doesn't give out of his excess. He puts himself in need of the same miracle now that everyone else is in need of. He looks at what he has in his hands and he gives it all. He doesn't just give what he thinks he can rationally afford. He doesn't just give what is excess for him. He gives it all. He puts himself in need of the same miracle that everyone else is in need of. In other words, he puts himself in the way of the miracle. What does it look like for us to put ourselves in the way of miracles? You know, if we want to see the kingdom of God come, if we want to see more miracles, if we want to see more people being healed, if we want to see lives being transformed, if we want to see incredible people having encounters with God that, that transform their lives, if we want to see that stuff, then we have to put ourselves in the way of that stuff. If we want to see that stuff, then we need to start living out some of that stuff. That might require us to pray for healing. That might require us to have that conversation and go, actually, do you mind if I pray for that? That might require us to be the miracle in the situation. That might require us to step in. You know, we don't want to just be interested observers. We want to be participants in this kingdom. We don't get to be interested observers. We don't get to be people going, oh, yeah, I mean, that, that, those miracles you see, and that's the whole church that I go along to. I mean, that's... You know, that makes me great. Or that's the same God that I believe in. That makes me right. Like, we don't get to do that. There's no glory in that. This boy puts himself in the way of the miracle. What does it look like for us to put ourselves in the way of miracles in our community, in our workplaces, in our colleges, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, when we're supermarket shopping, which is about the only thing we can do now. So what does it mean for us to put ourselves in the way of the miracle? What does it mean for us to be the miracle? What do we have in our hands? Let's not become experts at what we don't have. But let's be activists with what we do have. You know, five loaves and two fish is pathetically inadequate to feed 5,000 people. I mean, even if they've gone for the super toasty big loaf, it's not going to make it, is it? Even if they've, even if they've gone for a couple of whole sides of salmon it's not going to make it 
You know, I, I wonder what this miracle looked like to be part of. I wonder how it actually transpired. I wonder if actually the way it transpired is that Jesus, as it says, broke the bread and broke up the fish and gave a little bit to different ones of his disciples and went, just go and start sharing that out. So they go to the people at the front. The people in the first few groups. You know like when you're at tables at weddings and you're kind of going, oh, do they come to us first? Or do they come to us last? Like, are we going to get this now? Are we going to get this in an hour and a half? Whatever, you know, like you kind of got that, when's our turn? And these disciples go to that first little group at the front and they start sharing it out. And they just give me a little bit to you and a little bit to you and a little bit to you and then they run out. And then they go back to Jesus and Jesus has got more and he gives them some more. And then they're kind of going, well, that was weird. Jesus has got more and I'm pretty sure he shared it all out. But okay, so we'll go to the next group and they share it out around the group. And maybe a little bit more confident now that something weird is going on. But they share it out around the group and then they go back to Jesus and they go, yeah, I've run out again. Jesus goes, yeah, Jesus, it's fine. I've got some more. Here you go. Here's some more bread. Here's some more fish. They kind of go in. Okay. All right. So they go out to their third group with each, and then they're, they're sharing it around, and, and then they're kind of going, this is crazy. And then they so they but maybe a little bit more generous this time. They're kind of going, all right. So they, they give a little bit more to each person, then they go back to Jesus and go, yeah, I've run out again, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, it's fine. I'll hear some more. And then he's just giving them some more. And they're kind of going, what is going on? But actually, every time they go back for more, they're more confident that Jesus is going to have more, right? Every time they're sharing it out, maybe they're being more generous because they know that Jesus is going to have more when they go back to him. And the first couple of times, they're a little bit suspicious and a little bit nervous and they're kind of, how's this going to work out? But then they start to catch on and then they start giving more and more to people because as they act in faith, their faith grows. You see, acting in faith builds our faith. And even though the first few times we might be going, this is crazy, right? Like, I don't even know how this is going to work out, but okay, you said to do it, so I'm going to do it. And then we go back to Jesus and we realize that, uh, okay, God's doing something crazy with the little bit that I've got. So, And then they get some more and they, they start acting in faith and they start acting more in faith and they start acting more in faith and their faith is building and building and building. And it's the same for us. When we act in faith, it builds our faith. When we act in faith, it builds our faith. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? What are the things God is calling you to do, prompting you to do, nudging you to do, encouraging you to do? The children before talked about getting a piece of paper and drawing around your hand and then writing in the space some of the things that you have. Some of the things that might feel incredibly small, might feel entirely inadequate, but it's something that you've got. God can use it. What I want us to do, if you've got that piece of paper, you can write round, you can start filling that in, that's great. If you haven't got a piece of paper, don't worry. 
It's not a test. It's no exam at the end. It's fine. Make some notes on your phone or just contemplate in your mind. Hold your hands out and see what God prompts you to write down. What does God say you have? Stop looking at what you don't have. What does God say you have? I want to give us a few minutes just to reflect on that. Some questions will come up on the screen that you can you can look at that might help you in your contemplation. But don't worry, if the screen moves on and you're still reflecting on the first one, don't worry, just stay where you are. Spend some time with God. Not looking at what you don't have, but look at what you do have. Where might we be able to put ourselves in the way of miracles this week? Where might we be able to act out our faith so it builds our faith? We are a dispersed church at the moment. Each one of us carries the kingdom of God where we are. Each one of us carries the kingdom of God where we are. What does it look like where you are this week, this month? What does it look like for the miracles to happen, for the kingdom of God to come? Lord, we hold out our hands. And we submit to you. trusted observers, we want to be active participants in your kingdom. We don't want to be people who tell other people's stories, we just want to be able to live out your story, our story with you, where we are. So Lord, tell us, what do we have in our hands? What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? What miracles do you want us to put ourselves in the way of today?